0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. As we continue on on our series, I Just Saw Jesus. And this morning we're going to look in John chapter 5, and a man at the pool. Before we begin, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I know many of you were praying this past week as we met with the uh, foundation about a matching grant for Mizpah, And uh, that went... Well, we will find out in November, and uh, it's amazing how many questions they can ask, and uh, we had quite a few answers, Uh, but uh, God was good, and they do a lot of neat work, and we're excited to possibly partner with them in that, but continue to pray, and uh, they meet in November to make a final decision, and uh, so we can continue to pray about that. So fall kickoff, September 12th at the Clefner Ranch. So if you show up here at 9 o'clock on September 12th, you will have a great seat. Because uh, you, well you may not be alone, but there hopefully won't be very many of you. Uh, We will be meeting one service, 1030 at Clefner Ranch. Tim and the Glory Boys will be here. And then also at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a cookout and games at Clefner Ranch. And at 6.30, there will be a concert with Tim and the Glory Boys at Clefner Ranch. If you've never heard Tim and the Glory Boys, you can ask somebody around you. They were here a couple years ago. Everybody really enjoyed them. And so we encourage you to come, invite friends to join you as we celebrate both at 10.30 And then at 5 and 6.30 at Clefner Ranch. There are posters out in the foyer. If uh, you work at a place that uh, has a place, a bulletin board where you can put posters, or you know a place, know some people where you could do that, please take one of them. And uh, we want to get as many of them up around town as possible. There's also some invite cards. And take a couple of those and invite some friends to come and that gives all the information about the activities on September 12th. Obviously Josh is on vacation and thank you for Casey and those that worked with her and leading us in worship this morning. Appreciate that and Josh will be back uh, next week. And, uh, but thank you so much to Casey and those who were part of that. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You this morning, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we be challenged in our relationship with You as we examine uh, this man and his encounter with Jesus. Lord, I pray that nothing will distract us from the principles of Your Word. May You be glorified in all that is said and all that is done. And may we take the principles of Your Word and may we use them and follow them. As we strive to serve you, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we find an interesting story about a man here in John chapter 5. Last week, we looked at the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and we saw the incredible change in her life that took place as she recognized who Jesus was. This man's story although different, demonstrates that when we encounter Jesus Christ, our life will never be the same. So let's begin by looking a little bit at the background of the story found in the first four verses of John chapter 5. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So Jesus was going to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. They had what they called pilgrimage feasts where people would go to Jerusalem to celebrate. And it doesn't say which one of the feasts this was. And that doesn't make a difference in the emphasis of the story. But Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And as he went up to Jerusalem, he made a unique stop. He stopped at this pool where many who had physical ailments stayed. And they hoped for a miracle. But in verses 5-9, through we see the miracle itself. Beginning in verse 5, it says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. So Jesus began a conversation with this paralyzed man. And He asked a very strange question. We intentionally, as we showed the little video clip from The Chosen, showed just where it stopped. That's an interesting question. Think about it. Why did Jesus ask such a strange question? I mean, He was there hoping for a miracle at the pool. Did the man want to be healed? Obviously. So why did Jesus ask the question? Now, when we look at encounters with Jesus, and we saw this last week as we looked at the woman at the well, some of the answers are obvious. And the principles of God's Word are are very clear. And in every encounter, we see clear principles. There's other things that we don't necessarily know the full extent of why or what happened. We don't know any more about this pool. It was sort of a, a strange thing. An angel coming down and stirring the water. But that's not the main point of the encounter. We can't say for sure why Jesus asked him this seemingly silly question. But there's some things that we can Think through. There's some things that the question causes us to examine in our own lives. Why did Jesus ask him the question? Maybe he wanted to get the man's attention. And he sure did. Maybe he wanted to help the man focus on his need. And recognize the plight of his situation without help and without hope. Jesus obviously showed His concern and love for the man. But there's another thing that we may think about. As we see the man's response... did the man really want to be healed? Or did he appreciate feeling sorry for himself and complaining to the world about all the things that were wrong? Do we do that? We almost take pride in our tough circumstances when things are hard. And we love to share with everyone around us why things are so difficult and we want them to feel pity for us. It's easy to do that, isn't it? Well, you'll never believe what I'm going through. No, there are hard things that we're going through. And we can encourage each other as we face hard things. I'm not saying you never share if you're going through a hard thing. but, But oftentimes, we want everyone around us to feel bad for us. And it could be that as Jesus could see clearly the man's intentions and thoughts, he was challenging him because the man was missing God's work in his life because he was so focused on his struggles. And the man had lots of struggles. 38 years, paralyzed. He had been at this pool for a long time. Now, not necessarily the whole 38 years, but for a long time. He had been at that pool waiting for a miracle. But I'm sure the man had to ask himself the question, even in his self-pity, saying, does God care? And Jesus was there to show him that God does. No matter the circumstance, God's care is evident in every one of our lives. So what was the man's response? The man's response was to complain about how life was unfair. But what did Jesus do? Jesus reached out to the needy. He knew the man's story. The man had been paralyzed for 38 years and he was a regular at the pool. Jesus knew everything about him. And while that man laid there, Jesus chose to go to the pool. Jesus chose to strike up a conversation with the man. And Jesus chose to heal him. The man was hopeless, but Jesus' compassion and His mercy were evident. Jesus initiated the meeting. He initiated the conversation and He initiated the miracle. Jesus was the only one who could give that man hope and the man did not recognize that as the meeting began. But Jesus came to this earth because of our greatest need. The need of forgiveness made possible through His death and resurrection. But the man missed the point. He didn't recognize who Jesus was. He didn't recognize His greatest need. He saw Jesus simply as someone who could possibly help Him get to the pool. But the miracle was accomplished because of Jesus' compassion, not the man's faith. The man never reached out to Jesus. Jesus continually reached out to him. Now we see in the New Testament and we see in the Gospels times where Jesus was amazed at the faith of those He healed. This isn't one of those. The man didn't even recognize who he was talking to. He just thought, maybe this is someone who could be, help me with my transportation need. And Jesus could do far more than that. But oftentimes, we're just like that man. We don't recognize what it means to have a... Through deep growing relationship with God oftentimes we just look at God as someone who can rescue me when I have a problem but a relationship with God is so much more than that now it begins with that realization as we recognize our problem is sin and we have no hope except through the forgiveness of God made possible through Jesus Christ. But the man missed the point. He missed what could occur when he'd had a relationship with the man we know as the Son of God with whom he was talking. So, let's look at the response in verses 10-16, through and that's where we're going to spend a focus of our time because that teaches us the importance of our response beginning in verse 10 it says this the Jews therefore said to him who was cured it is the Sabbath it is not lawful for you to carry your bed he answered them he who made me well said to me take up your bed and walk then they asked him who is the man who said to you take up your bed and walk that's a key but the man who was healed did not know who it was For Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. So what's happening? The Jews, and probably led by the religious leaders, approached the man and and asked him why he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath. Now, when we think of a bed a little different than his bed, it was basically a mat that he would lay on as he waited by the pool. But Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, or take up your mat. And so the Jews saw this guy walking around on the Sabbath carrying his mat. Oh boy, not good. So they went to him and said, Hey guy, you're uh, working on the Sabbath. Regulation 722B says, Thou shalt not carry your mat on the Sabbath. And so the guy responded and he said, Well, the guy that made me well told me, Take up your bed and walk. I was just following his directions and what was their response oh boy who is this guy we need to examine this further because obviously this guy's a troublemaker telling people to carry their mat on the Sabbath day shame on him but he didn't even know Jesus name He was just the guy that came by and healed him. And so he said, I don't know. So he goes to the temple, which by the way is a very good thing. If you remember other miracles where Jesus uh, performed a miracle, they would go to the temple and and praise God and and offer a sacrifice or, or praise Him for His work in their lives. And so that was good. The guy went to the temple. Jesus goes to the temple... Sees him there. And they have a second conversation. So now the guy knows who Jesus is. And what does he do? He goes back to the Jews and says, okay, I know the guy's name. His name's Jesus. And then it says, when they found out who it was, they determined, these Jews, and again led by the religious leaders, that this one Jesus needs to be killed. Why? Because he had a man carry his mat on the Sabbath. So let's look a little bit at at the response. First of all, the response of the man. The man was concerned about protecting himself. When he was approached about carrying his mat on the Sabbath, he was quick to explain that he was told to do it. He was just following directions. You ever have a kid that does that? (laughs) They either say, okay, well, my brother told me to do that. Or, well, Mom or Dad, you said... You said I was supposed to watch my younger brother or sister and and they were disobeying, so I hit them. I was just helping out. Making sure they didn't disobey. So here's this guy, he says, well... (laughs) He made me do it. So he protected himself. Later, he found out who Jesus was. He went back to the Jews to give them Jesus' name. Now, this is one of those things that we have to consider, but we can't say dogmatically. Why did he go back and tell the Jews that it was Jesus? He made an intentional effort. They didn't come by again and say, oh, by the way, did you ever find out who that guy was that told you to take your mat? No, he went and sought out them. Why? Well, one of two reasons. Either he possibly could have thought, hey, This Jesus guy is pretty cool, and I should uh, let them know so they know that this is the guy that does miracles. But I don't think that was the reason. And here's why. He knew their response at the beginning when Jesus didn't even know, or when he didn't even know Jesus' name. They were focused on the breaking of the regulation. They weren't focused on the miracle. It sure could have been that he was like, okay, they're having a hard time believing me because I gave us, you know, I told them about this miracle and this guy, but I didn't even know his name. So I'm going to give a little proof to my excuse of why I was carrying my mad and, and give them the name of the guy that told me to carry it. He was protecting Himself. But do we do the same thing? We want to make sure that we don't look bad. We have an excuse for the wrong things we do. We see that in relationships, don't we? whether it's marriage or another family relationship or a friendship, whatever it is, when when we have messed up, we try to explain away our wrong behavior. With God, we try to explain away our sin. We do that, don't we? When you ask for forgiveness, oftentimes we use that little three-letter word but in the middle well i'm sorry i did this but and then we lay out a reasoning why we have a hard time confessing so this man was busy protecting himself now, there's another interesting part in this, and we're going to look at this more next week because it's a central theme of next week's story from John chapter 9. The man born blind. But we have to ask the question, why do people get sick? Why was this guy paralyzed for 38 years? And the struggle is, is why, why is there sickness? was this guy being punished for sin well as we read there Jesus warned him about not sinning anymore we don't know but you know sometimes whether it's sickness or other tough things in our life sometimes they are because of our disobedience Sometimes trials come in our lives to help us grow. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 talks about how the trials give us maturity. And sometimes it just occurs because of sin in this world. We face sickness, disease, and death because of sin in the world. You know, David, in the Old Testament, we talked about David and Casey shared about uh, from Psalm 32, but we see in Psalm 51 where David talked about his physical sickness as he attempted to hide his sin with Bathsheba and then the murder of her husband Uriah. There was discipline because of sin. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about how God disciplines us because He loves us. And we may be going through a trial or a sickness because of that discipline, but not necessarily so, as we will see in John chapter 9 next week. God can be working in our lives. Remember the story of Job, the book of Job in the Old Testament? Job's friends sat down with him because he had just disaster after disaster. His family, his kids were killed. He had boils. All of his herds and flocks were decimated. All these horrible things happened. And what did his friends say? Well, obviously, Job, you've made God angry. But there was another explanation. Now, Job wasn't perfect in the story. But there was another explanation of why everything happened. But Jesus warned him and part of Jesus' warning was, listen, you need to recognize what's most important, not that you can walk, but the most important thing is your relationship with God. That's what you really need to get cleaned up because if you don't, something worse than paralyzed is going to happen to you. You will spend eternity apart from God in a real and literal hell. But the man was concerned about protecting himself. But what about the Jews? And here they're just called the Jews, but we can be pretty confident they were led by some of the religious leaders of the Jews who were very concerned about other people following the law. But the Jews were more concerned about impressing others than pleasing God. They were focused upon the minor aspects of the law rather than the miracle of the man being healed. This conversation between the Jews and the man was an unbelievably, amazingly sad story. The man said, the man who healed me told me to take up my bed and walk. And what was their response? They completely bypassed the fact that this man had been paralyzed for 38 years and now he was walking. And they focused on the mat that was under his arm. And for them, godliness was simply following a set of rules and regulations and impressing the people around them. But, they missed the whole point. You see, having a good relationship with God isn't just a punch list of, of things that we do and don't do. It's daily growing in relationship with Him and responding because of our love to Him, living differently because of God's love for us. Their foolish attitude was found over and over in the Gospels. You remember when Jesus cast the demons out of the man and they went into the pigs and the pigs went up out over the cliff and drowned, out into the sea and drowned? What were the people concerned about? They lost their pigs. And if you read the end of the story, by the way, pigs for Jews was just sort of humorous in itself. But anyway... If you read the end of the story, they asked Jesus to leave because of the economic adversity that he caused. They didn't care about this man that they had watched living a crazy life as a demon possessed man. They weren't concerned about that, they weren't concerned about hog prices at the market. We miss the point, don't we? They miss the point. We need to live differently because of what God is doing in our life. Romans 12, 2 reminds us that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we allow God and His Holy Spirit to work in and through us. In John chapter 7, shortly after this miracle, they these jews these religious leaders were claiming that Jesus was demon possessed and notice what he says in verses 21 through 24 of John chapter 7 Jesus answered and said to them just after they said you're demon possessed he says this I did one work and you still and you all marvel Moses therefore gave you circumcision not that it is from Moses but from the fathers and you circumcise a man on the sabbath if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me, or are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He's like, listen, if it works out that uh, the this boy that you have is the eighth day is on the sabbath you go ahead and you have the circumcision according to the Jewish law that's not a problem but i heal somebody on the sabbath and you say that's a problem think about it you want to look good but is that really righteous judgment Oftentimes we are so busy trying to impress others that we miss out what's most important. Honoring and obeying God in response to His love and grace for us. Why did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? I mean, the guy had been there a long time. He'd been paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus could have shown up the day before or the day after and done the same thing. Why did he choose a Sabbath? He chose a Sabbath to point out the foolishness of simply following a bunch of rules and regulations with no real change. So as we close, let's think about a couple things. The story reminds us of some principles we need to remember. It reminds us of Jesus' love. Just like that man, Jesus comes to us and He desires to meet our need and He is the only one who can provide our hope. If you're here this morning and you're trusting in anything else for hope, anyone else for hope, you will be sadly disappointed. The man put his hope in a pool Not recognizing that he was laying next to the God of the universe who came to change his life. It reminds us how to be, or how easy it is, I should say, to be selfish, ungrateful complainers. You know, one thing that is never mentioned in this passage, now, there's a slight chance it could have happened. But the guy never even thanked Jesus. He never even got his name. But we can be the same, can't we? You wonder if the guy spent the next years of his life thinking about all the things he missed in those 38 years he couldn't walk rather than rejoicing in the things that God had done and was doing in His life. We can have that attitude. It helps us recognize that we often look to God for the wrong things. He looked to, to God as a transportation company. And we miss out what it means to have a real, vibrant, growing relationship with the God of the universe who desires to have relationship with us. And finally, we can focus on impressing others when we're really called to simply love and obey God. Am I more concerned about my relationship with God or what the person next to me thinks I am? The Jewish leaders were concerned about what others sought because they did not want to lose their power and with that the wealth and the prestige that came with it we're so busy trying to impress our neighbor that we forget that the most important thing is loving God Let's pray. Father, thanks for your goodness. Thank you for this story. Lord, we thank you for your love, your compassion toward this man. But also help us to recognize your love and compassion toward each one of us. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives. May we reach out to you as you have reached out to us. May you be glorified in the way that we live. And we will give you the praise and the honor for all that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.